Hey, Adam. Oh, I forgot you're not here. Uh, well, we do have a replacement today, Christian Sands. So let's dig into part two of our co-hosting experience with pianist Christian Sands. This is the You'll Hear It podcast, daily jazz advice coming at you. Um, I want to play a track, uh, and but I just kind of want to uh, ask you a question first, and, or uh, sure. and that is like you cover a lot of styles on this album, um, like genres, and mm-hmm. and uh, I think you do it super successfully, and at times you do it very abruptly, which is a cool thing, and it's a little bit unusual because a lot of times mm-hmm. people, you know, uh, musicians. Artists want to say, well, you know, this is all part of who I am. And of, of course, for I think for all of us, you know, all the right. influences in music. But you do some very deft and skillful kind of jumping back and forth between styles. And so if it's cool, I was just going to play a little of the beginning of uh, yesterday yeah. and then just get your thoughts on that. Nice. Oh, sorry. I, I should have had a slicker fade there, but you know, uh, <laughs> but I could listen to this all day. Um, so I love that. Like, you, you know, you got a couple different things happening, and and I just want to say to all the like jazz piano nerds, check out the way Christian is playing the left and right hand right at the beginning. Like the he, he basically you you've created like like you're playing with a different kind of touch and sound with that left hand quarter note going, and then mm-hmm. the way that you're playing the melody. And that's really what I think of as voicing. And I think there's a lot, you know, you guys can check that out and kind of try to emulate some of that stuff and use it in your own way. But that's that's just incredible pianistic skills. So my hat's off to you for that. Thank you. Um, But yeah, so you're starting with kind of like, you know, old school solo piano kind of vibe. And then you go into, you know, of course, with the trio, you got the gospel influences happening. But you go straight from that solo piano feel. I don't know. Is that correct, calling it solo piano feel? Yeah, you, you can call it that. Yeah. I mean, that could be anything, I guess. But, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but then you go right into, like, you know, the backbeat with, you know, that sharp nine and stuff. So was as you put this arrangement together, like, was that kind of intentional or was it just sort of what you heard and you put it together as an arrangement? It's, it's basically what I heard. Um you know, I wanted it to groove, and I really, I really got the arrangement from listening to a lot of Errol Garner uh, mm-hmm. lately. Um, I'm the creative ambassador of the Errol Garner Project now, which is which is wonderful. Yeah. 
And uh, uh, so going through archives and listening to Errol's music and some recordings that have never been released and some practice sessions and things like that, you know. Mm. And so he has a version of Yesterday. Mm. And, you know, I mean, Errol is straight up swinging all the time. Mm-hmm. For the most part, you know, about about 90% of the time, Errol's going to swing. But then there's these other times where he does these uh, different grooves and like maybe a mambo thing or a swinging mambo here and there or something like that. So um, Errol, what, I've, what I came away with was Errol's is a big fan of groove. Mm-hmm. And if Errol was around today, like how would he play music? Would he? I mean, he would still swing, of course, but like what else would he do? He might be up in the club and we don't know. Exactly. You, you have no idea. You know, <laughs> Club <laughs> Onyx <laughs> featuring Errol. <laughs> you know, so um, so I want to uh, kind of uh, do an arrangement based off of the music that I was listening to with Errol. And so the beginning with the quarter note in the left hand, that's kind of the echo of an Errol Garner, uh, Garner-esque yep. kind of vibe, you know. Mm-hmm. And then going into the groove, what I liked about Errol was that every time he would start a uh, intro, you would never know what it was until he started the tune, mm. you know. And so I kind of took that idea and said, well, I, I'm starting the tune in the Errol way. But now where can we go where we can make a surprise? Mm. And uh, it sort of just from just naturally going into I like the groove. And I mean, we all like the groove. So uh, kind of just naturally going into that it kind of worked, you know, it kind of changed some things around. It kind of gave it a little pick me up. And then I decided to stop it. So it's kind of this play with the audience, play with the listener. Of, mm-hmm. Okay. When is this going to happen? When is this not going to happen? So instead of just constantly changing, you know, um, chords around and reharms and doing the things that pianists can do, you know, let's just specifically just mess with rhythm mm-hmm. and, and, uh, uh, stop it and you know let's mess with uh rests and let's mess with you know fading and and doing different things so that's really how this arrangement came about oh it's great man and it's actually some of the analysis we did on rebel music yesterday um we kind of talked about some of those same ways that you use that compositionally and the arrangement of, of how you put together and i can really you know with things going back and forth like a lot of times and it's great lessons for like we we have a lot of uh younger and like students listening to the podcast mm-hmm. that I've met for, for you guys. It's a great thing to think about the drama, you know, how you can break that down with the architecture of a tune or an arrangement. And it doesn't have to not only be the typical ways, but it can be abrupt. You know, I mean, it can't just, it, this arrangement does not come across sounding random, but it's abrupt at times. And as you say, you are able to kind of play with the, uh, the, with the listener. And that's the drama of an arrangement that keeps people, enjoying it like oh what's gonna happen oh, is it gonna go back even if they don't know or thinking about consciously what's going on they remember that right sound, like you know exactly you know and i'm a big fan of art you know uh, uh visual art too so like i'm a big fan of picasso mm-hmm. and i like how when you uh especially his cubist uh cubism uh phase mm-hmm. where it's really it is exactly you know if you're looking at a person right and it's, it's really a person and you can tell it is because your brain is making that. Your brain is seeing these shapes and it's saying that this is a human being. But then the nose is not where it's supposed to be and the eyes are not where it's, they're supposed to be. So there's this little uh, trick with your mind, too, that kind of questions that what am I really looking at? Even though you kind of know that this is a portrait or a self-portrait or something like that. you know. So I kind of take those ideas of, of just different art styles and kind of put them in my music, too. Yeah. Great stuff, man. Great stuff. Um, 
so we, let's just talk. I, I'd love to go through like this whole album, and I want to, if if you're cool with it, have you back on the show because there's a of lot course. of course, a lot of anytime, man. yeah, man, a lot more stuff we can dive into. But I was just, you know, it's uh, yes, Yasushi Nakamura and Jerome Jennings, which is your regular trio. That's right. Uh, for a while now, who's who's kind of the the backbone of this album. You've got some great other guests and and um, bringing in the horns and the percussion. Um, some really cool. I wasn't familiar with this that guitarist. Who was that? Oh, Kyle, man, Kyle. he's killer. He uh, is killing. Yeah, it's it's funny. I actually uh, was introduced to him by my younger brother, uh, Ryan mm-hmm. Sands, who, uh, so those of you that know, he's an amazing drummer, fabulous drummer. And uh, shout he out went Ryan. to, what's up? Right, shout out to Ryan, <laughs> Afro Samurai, you know, uh, and he went to NEC, New England Conservatory, and uh, so did Kyle. And so they were like great friends, like best friends. Mm. You know, and so uh, he had called me up one day. He was like, man, you got to hear this guitarist, man. You know, like we're playing tonight. So come up to Boston. And I was like, all right, cool. So I just I had nothing to do. So I drove up to Boston and uh, checked it out. And this cat was like extra killer. Mm. You know, he the tunes that he wrote were like amazing. His touch, his feel, everything was tasty. Everything was like, you know. And so but he was doing really modern, modern music, you know. And so I talked to him afterwards. I was like, man, you know, where are you from, you know? He was like, yeah, I'm from, from Sao Paulo. And I was like, oh, killing. So, which also meant that he had all the samba and all that Brazilian stuff too, you know? Yeah. And so uh, I was looking for a guitarist for um, this gig and I usually use the Galad Hexelman. Mm. He's on my last record. And so Galad couldn't make it. And so um, I was like, well, let me call Kyle. Let me see if he's around. And so we all went to uh, Canada and we did a little tour and it was absolutely amazing. And everything we did, I mean, from playing obscure music to playing Brazilian music to playing, I mean, you know, I, I love different styles. So uh, whatever I wanted to do, he was really down to do it and, mm. was, and did it well. Yeah. And things that he didn't know, he went back after the gig or whatever and checked it out and did all his homework. And then the next day, I mean, it's like he knew everything. You know? mm. So he's a really special musician. Yeah, I'm I'm really looking forward to hearing more from him and and even though he's just making appearances here and there on your album, I mean, he hit a lot of well, like a lot of great Brazilian musicians, a lot of people don't realize they can they can generally play many different styles well, especially right. the guitarists, you know. Right, right, right. I you mean, know, blues, we, 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 he got we some rock down, stuff. Exactly. Yeah. You know, we would sit down and talk about like progressive rock, like dream theater, and then we sit down and talk about some you know, some scratch guitar, you know, mm. talk about Wawa Watson. I mean, like he knew all of the styles. You yeah. Know? And so he's a he's a hip musician. Though. Well, it definitely comes through on uh, on, on your album. So uh, hats off to you for placing him at some really interesting places. Um, uh, one other thing was like I noticed you 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 hit a lot of style I, I mentioned this earlier but you hit a lot of different styles and genres and normally i don't i'm not big into like oh you're you know this is a um, polka on this tune this is a reggae whatever but <laughs> right. but you do have some overt references at times and because you you're you're able to kind of very definitely and abruptly move from different things to, i think in a in a really interesting and seamless musical way that they are noticed so i'm hearing for sure gospel obviously big influence there jazz of course to me jazz is right. really the umbrella with which you're kind of painting everything um reggae you definitely hit right. on some some nice reggae grooves in there funk for sure mm-hmm. um you know the the errol garner solo piano and some other solo piano um you know influences 
Um, then you got the Rhodes, you got the organ going, you got, there's some rock stuff happening with those guitar lines on something I heard, mm -hmm. but like, was, did you have like a checklist? <laughs> I know you didn't, <laughs> but I'm just wondering, cause some people think that, like, that's the way this worked. Or was this just right, like right, when right. you were writing, you would hear different things and like, oh, okay, I'm going to put a little bit of a, got a, a reggae vibe in here cause it feels right. Well, you know what it is, is, is that I'm just a composer at heart, mm. you know? And if I, if I can just write tunes for people, I would just do that. You know, um, I love performing, but I also love to write. And I've always been like that as a kid, you know, and I would always write tunes just for people, you know, just for uh, I'm going to write my tune for my aunt or write a tune for my dog or like, you know, I just I was always writing stuff, mm. you know. And so as an adult, I'm still writing for different people. I write for different musicians and I do collaborations. And so with that, you know, kind of comes the love of different styles of music. And different in ways to express yourself. So you know, I like to express myself in, in different ways musically, and stylistically. So I'm, I don't really think of styles when I'm writing it. I really think of the song and what best can tell the story. Mm. You know, so like on Sunday mornings, you know, Sunday mornings, I remember the whole story is me waking up with my brother going to church on Sunday mornings and there was three services either seven o'clock or 9 30 service or 11 o'clock service you know and I've been to all three throughout my life you know so either you go to seven o'clock because you're with your aunt or you go to <laughs> 9 30 because you're with my mother or you go to 11 o'clock because you're older and you were at the club <laughs> the night before so <laughs> now you gotta wake up you know so there's these different experiences that I've had that help me tell the story and so Sunday mornings, for example, is something that reflects that experience. So it's not really, I wasn't thinking like, okay, I want to do a gospel tune. Mm. It was more of like, this was in my life. So what best helps me with that? And then the reggae that goes into that is a service or a song that we sung in church where it had a reggae feel to it. You know, anytime you hear like, you know, you listen to a Kirk Franklin or Ty Tribbett, they also have uh, these different, uh, sounds within their music too, yeah. you know. Well, Even they'd always you... have like the drummer. They always have a rhythm section that could like play any style. It just exactly. instantly groove, you exactly. know, and ready to you do know. it too. Exactly. So all of that is kind of in in my music. So my music is really just all of my personal experience that I'm sure that many people have also experienced. And if they haven't, then they're experiencing it through my music, kind of secondhand. Oh, that's great. I love that too. I was just talking with a with another jazz musician about. Um, you know how kind of our job we we forget sometimes with all the c7 sharp nine and reggae groove or whatever but our our, our job is really to like look at the world and our yeah. experience in it and then express it in this music and present it to people i mean that's that's kind of our thing and, and, right. let, and let, i feel like we get we get lost in that because you know especially lately we have a lot of uh musicians that come out of conservatories and that's not the focal point the focal point of conservatory is to give you the fundamentals and make you uh, a person who can play you know really like anything if you get it in front of you you can read you can write you yeah. can do all this stuff but then what do you do with that like where's the the humanity in that right right it's just you know? the, it's and, just that's the jumping off point right and yeah. you know that that i think separates uh great musicians from just musicians you know, where you just kind of regurgitate information versus like now what can I do with that information that reflects my life or what I've heard or reflects your life, you know? Yeah. yeah. So that's really what it's all about. That's great. 
Okay, so uh, sometimes I misinterpret songs. So Sunday mornings, I was thinking, as I listened to it, it was about going to Cracker Barrel. I, okay, now I know it's about going to church, see? <laughs> well, it, it kind of is about going to Cracker Barrel, too. You know, we went there after, sh- you know, that or Hometown Buffet or... There you go. You know? <laughs> Good stuff. Well, Christian, thank yeah. you so much for being here, um, for doing this as the, fir- as the official first ever guest co-host. Thank um, you for having is, me, man. Yeah, this is going to go down... Uh, Go down in history, and um, if Adam doesn't make it back from the Gen Conference, and you're looking for something to do for like 12 minutes every day, uh, hey, I'm down. We could hop on the phone. You know, we'll we'll see how that goes. <laughs> I'm ready. But I want uh, everybody, all our listeners, to go out and check out uh, Facing Dragons. It's on Mac Avenue, right? Yes. Yeah, Mac Avenue label mm-hmm. uh, available on all the streaming uh, platforms. But you know what? This this is a good one. You might want to pick up on CD, or you could sit and stream it. But like I said at the beginning, like. Take take some time, maybe you know, open up a nice nice bottle of Barolo or something. And this is a fun one to kind of listen to from beginning. We to also end. have vinyl too, so it's also on oh vinyl. come on now. I might have so. to put my flannel shirt on and and put a hat and <laughs> grow my beard and bust out my vinyl. I'll do it. I'll do right. it. Right, come on, let's do it. <laughs> no, it would be a great one on vinyl. I'd, I'd, I'd love to hear that. Yeah. Um, so the way we normally end this is one of us says you'll hear it at the end and like the other one says something kind of funny. So I'm going to say something funny. Are you ready to say you'll hear it? Sure. Okay. So, uh, all right. Well, until next time. You'll hear it.